0: Welcome everybody! My name is Alexander Greb, I am the Customer Advisory Lead for S4HANA Strategy at SAP, and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. One analogy I like to use a lot when explaining the specifics of digitalization, like a move from ECC to S4HANA, is mobile phones. Presuming age-wise, you are somewhere in your early 40s like me. Remember back your first mobile phone that you got. Chances are, it was something like the Siemens S4 or the Nokia 3310. Tough rugged little devices that could make a call, send an SMS, on later models you could hear music, but the limitations in usage in contrast to today's smartphones are quite obvious. And surprise, the technology that your legacy ECC system is based on is even a bit older than those vintage phones. Many customers moving from ECC to S4 HANA unfortunately proceed in a way you could illustrate as following. You discuss for most of the time how you work with your old mobile phone, and then you consult with your implementation partner how you transfer this exact way of working to a smartphone like an iPhone 11 while ignoring that the only reason you used your old Siemens S4 the way you did was not because you wanted it to use that way, but because the limitations of the old technology does not allow any other way. So, if you proceed like that, you bring the limitations to the new technology where they do not exist anymore. Sounds weird? Well, yes, but that's the way digitalization is approached by many adopters. And that's why I'm glad to welcome today Mr. Andreas Welsch. Andreas is the head of intelligent processes within the S4HANA product management. So, he's behind all the new capabilities concerning process automatization, AI prediction, and so on. And He's the right person to talk to when discussing the technological possibilities of doing things differently than in your old ECC. Which means, in the end, more intelligent, more effective and more efficient. And since he's also an accomplished musician and multi-instrumentalist, he has quite some high-end audio equipment at his home in Pennsylvania. Which means, although this is a Zoom recording across the Atlantic Ocean, the audio quality of this episode is terrific. So enjoy this new episode here at the SAP Expert Podcast. Good afternoon, Andreas. Hey, Alex. Andreas, great to have you. You're responsible for almost all automatization aspects in more or less S4 HANA and beyond. And an aspect that comes along with the topic of automatization in general and probably since the invention of the Steam Machine is the... Mm, quite often quite emotional discussion concerning its effects and that's the reason I want to start especially with you and our conversation with myth busting and I want to confront you with the top three misconceptions that we hear quite often concerning automatization enterprise applications I hope you're fine with this rude approach from my side to the discussion sure go ahead okay (laughs) Um, let's start with the first one Myth number one: it is too expensive for a small business to access
1: that 's a good one um, and I think it 's a myth because if, if you look at the the um, you know, um, area of, of technology, if, if you look at the the cost of of things um, costs have have gone down significantly while the performance of these capabilities has increased significantly and in many cases already outperforms what we're capable of doing as as humans. Um, So the benefit I think for, for companies of any size is to, to leverage what's already there in, you know, um, AI and and automation are table stakes in in enterprise software. Now it's become table stakes over the last couple of years. So there's so many things and capabilities in there that that you can already leverage and things that you might not even be aware of that it's AI Mm -hmm. um, that's that's working in in the background.
0: Maybe the change uh, probably also that automatization has become more productized than it used to be. Because when when I started my career, more or less, there were some automatization possibilities happening, but this was always a project, not a product yeah you had to really do it with some data scientists and so on and then you could implement a certain s or let's say a certain amount of automatization but that's probably what in my experience may have um may have led that smaller mid-sized companies have saying like um, please leave me alone with that that's just cost no effect
1: yeah and I think you know it, uh, that that the aspect of of maintenance and, and creating these things is 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 an excellent one um if you think back, like you said, even even a couple of years ago or 10, 15 years ago, um, everything was still rules-based. Mm. So you needed to have a programmer, you need to sit them together with, with the business analyst and figure out what are the rules that, that we need to go to in, in, in this software and what do we do if, if there's a change, right? Do you get the same developer or how much do you need to spend to um, do the next project just just for even some uh, minor changes? So. There, I think now, because we have so much data available and, and the technology is, is, is able to to perform so well here um, we 're able to to react a, a lot more agile and flexible to to these changes, which then again also benefits small businesses um, who might not necessarily have the um, large staff to um, create and, and, and maintain those systems themselves so I think okay. it 's it's, it's relevant for for all um, all sizes, all industries and the key is really that this capability is, is embedded and it's, it's easy to use.
0: The second myth that you can hear probably from the other side, now we've been probably a bit um, negative, if you like see it maybe a bit too positive, is that people say that it can solve all of your problems. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> yes but but the problem is probably like when now 10 years 50 years
1: that's uh, that's a tough one and i think um experts academics alike have been consistently wrong on on that prediction mm-hmm. um, um thinking back of you know the the, the origins of, of uh, ai in, in in the 50s um scholars said you know it, it it'll take 10 years, 15 years before Mm -hmm. um, artificial intelligence will have parity with with human intelligence. And, you know, now 60, 70 years later, where are we? Closer, but not there yet, right? Do you think in that
0: aspect that um, when you look back maybe that the promises that have been made concerning automatization um, have... Been kept, or probably were too optimistic, so that some people are a bit sceptical concerning that. Um, what 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 is your opinion yeah. about that?
1: So I think looking looking a bit into the the, the history books, right? There, there's this this term of the AI winter, and, and there have been a few AI winters. And, and before the winter, there, there was a, a beautiful summer. Right? Mm. Um, people got so excited about the capabilities of, of technology and, and and what the future. Uh, was holding, and then you know the, this is the uh, silver bullet to, mm-hmm. to all, all all our problems. But then, as um, things have matured and and people started to realize, well, we're not as close to to, to this uh, vision and um, um, of of the future that we want to get to, then you know things uh, started to dip down again a bit. But I think right now we're really in a in in a good position for what's also called narrow AI. So um Things where the, the the system is tailored to fulfill a specific task and, and do really really well on, on on a narrow problem. um I think we're still ways away from from general artificial in, intelligence um in, in in the singularity of uh, AI and, and human intelligence being being equal um, but on those narrow problems, AI performs really really well and like i said in, in many cases better even than than we do as humans.
0: What what you say is quite interesting because concerning that expectation that sometimes is maybe laid into that kind of technology and maybe it's doing it wrong because you put too much expectation into it. I think a good allegory is when I, I was once having a conversation with him, he was a consultant for… Um, Boeing and uh, this man, he, he started his let's say his career as a pilot in the 60s uh, flying for the US Air Force and then he became a commercial airplane pilot later on after the Vietnam War and he said that at that time he was told that probably the F-104, the, the Starfighter, was would probably be the last um, the last f- jet fighter which needs a pilot yeah. We see okay, this has <laughs> not become true. But what he said then was like, um, of course, this is maybe a little bit of something of an over-expectation. But when you look, for example, into the cockpits of the jet airliners, like from the early 70s, from that kind of generation, the 747, DC 10, the Tri-Star and so on, where you had like three three pilots on the cockpit. You had the 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 pilot, the co-pilot, and the flight engineer. Now you're complete in that, let's say, um, area into person cockpits because the automatization of all the processes like engine management and the the management itself and the autopilot and so on has has gone so up that the pilot himself in his role has changed to become an administrator. Did all his problems have been solved by technology? No, but um, he learned that some things are not really problems anymore, thanks to um, automatization and artificial intelligence. Do you think this is something of a mindset that probably we should also adopt to business applications because it's more realistic?
1: I love that, uh, that analogy that that you just mentioned. Um, you know, there, even even in in, in business and, and enterprise, there's still fly-by-wire to yeah. to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if we can help you be more effective, be more efficient, um, because we have certain things on on autopilot or with um, you know, system-based assistance mm-hmm. that then makes all of our lives easier. And I mean, just just think about um, the the mundane, repetitive things that each of us have in our um, in our daily jobs. The the little annoyances here or there. Think of spreadsheets. Think of reports. Think of you know doing the analysis to some extent yourself. And if mm-hmm. if, if that system can can help you. Assist that, then you have more time for the exciting stuff, right? That the things that really um, tickle your brain. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah. As for
0: the last misconception, um, let's let's hear the pessimistic guys.
1: Um, will it kill white collar jobs? That's a that's a common one, right? And um, similar to to your uh, example, just with with the pilot. Um, I think it doesn't. It it just changes the nature of, of what a a job or a role or, or a function um is like in, in, in and what, what we perform as part of this mm. um, this this function. Um you, you know, you can even take it further in and, and um talk about a more dystopian future. Think of uh, Space Odyssey two thousand one with HAL nine thousand and, and the system becoming um, um, not only self-sufficient, but evolving by itself and, and threatening humanity. Or, or the, yeah. the stories you hear about uh, Terminator and Minority Report or Matrix, mm-hmm. all, all these sci-fi things. I think uh, it's it's not that, not not at all. Um, again, coming back to that point of, of narrow AI being really good at solving particularly tasks and and, and problems. Um, and helping us get rid of the things we don't enjoy doing anyways, but that we need to do because today they're part of our job and part of our job description. Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah. Maybe also, like, um, if, if you are asked, like, how big the threat of automatization is already, just show them or just ask them to write a message, a text message on their mobile phone with autocorrect. And yeah, with the things you that you get out of that, sometimes you can feel much more safer after this.
1: It's Very true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but so, but yeah. when when you want to to keep this myth aside, um, when somebody then asks you, okay, I, I've learned a lot about this, and I probably this put a lot of things straight now. When you say, or when you get asked, like, what what are the realistic benefits? of automatization or why should a company tackle automatization what would you be your let's say pitch what would be your reason
1: or what you tell these guys in that effect sure so i think it's it's pretty simple when you when you think in in business terms it's either optimizing the top line or optimizing the bottom line in, in many cases so the bottom line cases are are pretty straightforward and pretty simple right you um you, you automate your accounts receivable process in, in in certain areas, say the matching of incoming payments to open invoices. Um you already have a good automation rate today, but you still want to um get out that additional boost. So for some companies that means 20% increase, for others it means thirty or forty percent. If you don't have any automation at all, you know, the, that impact can can even be more significant. Um and so I think those those are the uh, quote-unquote simple RI cases. Um, still, they're, they're perfectly valid and they're um, um, stellar examples of, of how we can help reduce um, the, the manual work, help people um, free up time so they can call up their customer and ask why are they paying late, why are they typically short paying. So much more different in, in human interaction at in this point where most likely today... So your analysts don't even have time to to pick up the phone because they're so heads down, just keeping the lights on. Um, then I think on, on on the other side, this this top line um, optimization. So think about using um, AI and, and, and machine learning in pricing and in quotation processes. What if you can use it um, to give your salesperson um, a, a different, more advanced, more sophisticated, and interactive tool to say, look, if you bundle these three products together, here's uh, a different strategy or a different discount strategy. And based on um, past history, we, we know that the customer will most likely go for this option. So you can increase your, your margin overall, um, just as, as another example. So I think um, on, on both sides, top and bottom line, um, um, are, are significant benefits to, uh, to be made and realized. So what
0: I hear out of that is that we have basically like two areas of optimization or let's say where we can divide this. And I hear from that, that we have probably like two dimensions um, or like two fields where the game happens. The one is the commodity processes, all these things with like for example like hire to retire record to report source to pay that, that stuff in that area and in these commodity processes um it's all about standardization automatization cost automatization you want to bring the bottom line down on the other hand you have the more differentiating processes yeah quote to cash and design to operate all these stuff where you want to up the, the top line and you obviously have different things happening there what you want to have there um, for these two like playing fields are there some let's say lighthouse um, lighthouse out um, effects which can be um, reached by by automatization by artificial intelligence
1: so yeah i mean like i said the the uh, I- example of matching incoming payments to open invoices with Cash application uh, is, is is a low-hanging fruit mm. and a good example. But, you know, to, to, to me, it's not only looking at, at a particular technology, right? It's, mm. it, it's easy to um, go down that path or fall into that trap and, and, and see AI machine learning as, as the silver bullet. To, to me, it's rather a combination of, of different capabilities. So, you know, speaking of technologies, throw RPA in, in the mix, for example... Um, or in intelligent uh, situation notifications in, in, in your system, but really together they, they help make this end to end process and, and make this um, analyst's life a lot easier and, and make the tasks a lot easier. So I think that that's that's worth uh, highlighting here as, as well um, for 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 top line. Like I said, um, the, the the quotation example, anything that can help you raise the the, the top line because you're able to bundle smarter, price smarter um, and and, and be more intelligent in in that sense. If if we look at the path
0: to the level where we are now, um, is there something like a story behind that? What you can say, like the history of automatization in ERP was that we started, for example, with this, with these cases and then it developed to another thing. Like, is there something of a, let's say story behind that which helps to understand better what is now available and why automatization is now available the way it is sure yeah
1: um i mean look at look at sap's history we we've always been about helping companies run better improve people's lives um, and and get benefits from standard processes and, and automation in in these processes and for you know decades we we've done this um, with with um, uh, rules and, and rules based engines um, and that's that 's already one form of of uh, automation right um, just having an i t system in in itself and, and a digitized process compared yeah. to a form based paper based process you you can already consider this automation so looking in, into um, things like emerging technologies and intelligent technologies really is is the next evolution in in this um, path towards more autonomy or to, to, to more, uh, towards a more autonomous ERP system as well. Um, that, you know, not only we as, as as SAP, but more importantly, our customers can benefit from these additional learnings that they get out of their data, systems learning from patterns, um, from historic data and, and ex- experience and expertise that's you know, Im- embedded in, in the data, in, in, in the transactions that are already in, in the system. So a, a huge trove of data that's that's available with different capabilities of leveraging them than how we've done this in, in the past. Um, that's why we see um, intelligent automation and, and intelligent processes as the next evolution here.
0: Where is the origin for all of this? Like, for example, when you say, okay, we need something new, new capability in that area, is this more technology driven or is this more like coming from the customer side where they say we demand that this is able to do this i know this is something like a chicken egg question but um, how does this happen in that area
1: no i think that's that's an excellent question Um, so yes um, um, customer focus and and customer driven ideation and and innovation are, are key for us because in the end, you know, we do want to um, build meaningful things that deliver value that our customers love and, and that they adopt and that they get value from. Um, and so um, that's that's really the the core of our, our thinking. Where we see our customers um, going and, and what they really ask and demand is um, a lot more of, of this automation in end-to-end business processes. You know, we used to talk about on-premise. Then we, we talked about cloud as a, a delivery model, um, next up we we see this as as an evolution then also towards more of what we call a business process as a service so that you can consume an entire end to end process such as order to cash um from from s a p um and and everything you know that that comes with it so intelligence is and has to be an integral part of of such a process um to to make it more efficient make it more effective um like i said just long lines of automation get get these these benefits uh, in, in, in a different and, and more effective way. So when
0: we look at where we are now, and we've already talked about some of these cases, um, what is what you're working on at the moment concerning the next one to three years? What can customers expect in the, let's say, closer near future, and what you, of course, are allowed to tell about?
1: Sure. Um, so the key, the key here really is this, this focus on end-to-end processes. Um, it doesn't do us any good. It doesn't our customers do any good if we only talk about point solutions um, You know that, that are like patchwork. A few things here, a few things there. Um, so really, for, for me and for us, it, it's about bringing these capabilities, these individual technologies closer together with the goal of increasing the, the automation in, in an end-to-end process. So you can think of, um, um, you know, things like intercompany reconciliation uh, as, as one example, um, where there's a lot of manual work and also some some risks for for errors in in that process. Um, consolidating these um, different things here between legal entities. Um, there are things like um, creating sales orders automatically from. the the emails and PDFs and Excel documents that that you um, receive. So your analyst doesn't have to do copy and paste in, you know, maybe in the process, uh, mix things up or um, enter incomplete information. But not only that, really driving more and more of of, of this automation here. And again, you know, see we're talking about the the bottom line examples um, um, in that case. But really look for for opportunities where it, it makes a high impact. Um, think of chat services for for example and, and um the the omni channel um, type setting that that they 're in. You can call in, you can send an email, you can create a ticket, but maybe you don 't even need to create any of those at all if you can get the answer beforehand and if if you can get it in a in an easy and natural way. so think of something like a chatbot that could help facilitate yeah. that or in, in intelligent search or, or look up in, in a knowledge base. Um, if we're able to give you the right information, no need to create a ticket, less work uh, and, and workload for the, the Shot Service Center. So just some, some examples here. Um,
0: let me jump on one of these topics, because when I talk with my customers, for them, of course, the let's say the whole part for like matching and merging and so on. That's what they say, okay, this is this is really interesting stuff for us. Yeah, this is something which comes into us handy. Their dreams are maybe in a different way. They are thinking more about these prediction abilities that we put into our software, where they say, especially... We had now, like, let's say for the last decade, things were more or less quiet and so on. And uh, the economy was going up and so on. And and there was something of a what you could call day-by-day business. The last nine months, of course, were the complete opposite of that. And the awareness and the necessity for good prediction is or has become more of course, interesting than than ever before. Um, uh, Is there something of a special, let's say, focus you are putting on? Or do you say like, no, we do not want to, let's say, overestimate one element because it is necessary at the moment, because it may look like in one year already completely different and we would have probably developed in a different direction because the um, necessities are different there. Or do you try to find something in your prioritization concerning putting your, your folks into it, like go heavily on that aspect or more on that aspect?
1: Do you try to to do something of a compromise there? I think that's, that's both. It, it's a challenge and, and it's an opportunity. right? If, if we talk about AI, for example, as learning from data and, and being really good at spotting patterns in, in, in this data, and all of a sudden, like you said, with uh, the, the, the pandemic situation, your demand and, and supply look completely different from anything you have seen in, in the last few decades. Yep. That really messes up your, your model and, and, and your predictions. Um, but where we do see a lot of focus and, and, and where we also put uh, a significant focus here is then on you know, things like cash liquidity, for example. Can you predict what your liquidity is going to look like? Can you... Um, so in, in collections, give different recommendations to your cash collectors with whom they should follow up, how they should follow up. Um, and again, emphasize more of that, that personal connection um, because all of us and, and all of our business partners have been affected by it. So, you know, sending in, sending an email saying, hey, you know, your, your payment is overdue. Sure, you can do that, but it's it's most likely better. You pick up the phone and you ask, you know, how are you doing? And yeah. I, I, I see this is late. Can Can you help me? With with that, when do you expect to make the payment? So really, again, I'll, I'll, although we're talking a lot of um, or a lot about machines and automation and um, you know uh, blinking and flickering lights somewhere in in a server room, I think it, it really helps us to do more of the opposite, have more of this personal connection, and have more time for that because I think that's especially important right now.
0: You mentioned in. In our conversation before, like the, the Terminator and the Space Oddity, no, not really Space or Space Odyssey, sorry, Hell <laughs> uh, 9000. Um, of course, they are not yet there. But when you would look into the glass bowl, how would this kind of technology you're working on affect our world? Or let's say the way we work maybe in 10 years from now on. Do you think there are some predictions possible or what is your vision
1: about that? Yeah. So, so really our, our vision is that that we work towards an an autonomous ERP. Um, You know, I think first of all, uh, intelligent is what the user perceives as being intelligent. And, you know, the the best intelligence is the best artificial intelligence is, is the one that you don't even notice. Mm. So, so I think that's that's uh, that's that's key. So the less the technology and the system can fade into the background, and the more we can actually bring the the business topics, business results, business insights into the foreground, the more we can leverage our human expertise and creativity um, to to focus on, on on those things. So it's it's really about you know, automating commodity processes, commodity um, tasks, helping then with the differentiating process and, and, and tasks, um, to, 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 optimize, um, top line here, um, and, and, you know, with, with a vision of, of delivering this as a service along end-to-end business processes. So it's easy, um, to consume and, and easy to understand and easy to, to get the benefits out of that. So
0: when a customer says now, okay, I'm. Very fixed up with it. I'm I'm quite convinced that this really helps me because um, everybody who is doing at least a bit with that has realized, especially in the last month, that hey, I I, I win resilience by that because of let's say cash predictability. Um, when I know how my liquidity looks like now and maybe in a few days, a few weeks, I can plan much better, even especially in this quite interesting times. And he wants really to enter to that topic and he wants to have that something like an, an entry drug and he wants to have that first taste. Where are the low-hanging fruits? How should a customer tackle this topic? Shall he go all in and says, I want to basically now have everything which is basically possible or are they, let's say, some aspects, some use cases where you say, i would prefer our customers or i would propose you to go this or that way
1: i think one thing that the pandemic has has shown us and and taught us is that um our our work life and, and setup is is completely uh different from from what it used to be even nine months ago and we are we're seeing a lot of the same in in our customer base as well so be it the it departments that are Working differently now, that, that have other priorities. See, I mean, look at things like um, meeting platforms, um, telephony, these kind of things, um, virtual collaboration. Um, um, that are all con- consuming a good amount of time here. Um, and, and then on the other side, the business uh, users that used to sit next to each other face to face now they're virtual as, as well. Um, so I think in, in in terms of of projects, this this has a bit of a challenge. In um, in that sense that you know um, yes you 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 can already capitalize on on some of those those low hanging fruits it doesn 't have to be a, a week or month long project um, or or maybe a prototype that you want to to look into um, There are a number of, of exciting capabilities already available in in s for HANA today. Um, many of them revolve around a topic we call situation handling, which is an intelligent uh, notification um, framework mm-hmm. um, that serves up business situations and insights to the end user. Um, it's contextual, it's, it's relevant, and it brings their attention and focus to a situation that they otherwise might not be aware of. Um, so think about um, my favorite finance example, um, cash application. Um, in that process, you receive payment advices, typically a couple of days before your customer makes a payment. And, and that payment advice your customer tells you, Next week, I'm going to pay $100,000 for these four invoices. Well, maybe there's actually five or six invoices open, and maybe two of those um, make up for more than, than, than half of, of the open balance. Well, we, we can alert the um, AR accountant here and, and say, look, you know, here's a significant amount open that has not been covered in, in this payment advice. It might be good um, for, for you to follow up with your customer and, and figure out what's happening here. Um, just as one example, typically activating such a situation in, in, in the system takes no more than 30, 45 minutes. You can do that easily in your test system and you can do the same in your production system, obviously, as, as well. Um, they're part of the uh, S4HANA subscription or license, so there's no additional cost or in investment needed other than a little bit of, of time um, to research that and, and implement it. So, so if I may interrupt you, Sure. The only thing in this areas is
0: really nothing more, and the only effort you have to put into is nothing more than just like switch it on and do it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Figure out who who should see the notification, configure it, and off you go. It's it's really that simple. Um, yeah, and because this is a really interesting
0: point. Um, one thing which is very which is always like coming along with me all the time when I interact with customers is like there are customers who are basically in two situations like the one the the one half or maybe it's like 60% of the customers that we have um, who are at the moment in ECC want to do something of a brownfield of 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 a system conversion like where they take what they have to a new platform the other ones they say like I, my system maybe is, is too old, or I want to go, want to make more disruption. I want to, 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 to jump, let's say, a longer distance with this kind of, of, of transition. They go in a green field. From my experience, like if you do a green field, like if you start from, let's say, scratch again, more or less, or if you do like something, like a selective approach, those are also for me now in that bucket. It's easier for you to leverage these kinds of benefits because um, you are more, let's say, pushed into the direction to rethink what you're doing because your motivation is a completely different one. Do you see also the case that maybe because of that easier access that greenfield customers are in an easier situation than brownfield customers and conversion customers? Because conversion customers may be in danger to overlook those so easy to switch on benefits because they are more, let's say, focused on bringing that old stuff over. And what would you recommend to customers in these kinds of two situations, what to do and what not to do?
1: So like I said, I really liked your analogy about the pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me, let me try for on myself. So think about buying, buying a car. If you stick with the brand, you like the model, you go for, for the newer model, right? Maybe, maybe a used car. Um, still, you, you look for distinct features um, that, that you want, right? And, and, and if, if you uh, are ordering a, a new one and, and configure it, you also put in all, all the options then, that you want. You don't just buy a car and then figure out, well, what navigation system do I need? And do I need park distance control or something uh, that's, that's hard to retrofit? So yeah. in that same sense, I think regardless of of looking at at brownfield or, or greenfield implementations, innovation and yeah. intelligence need to be a core part of of that project, um, because it's it's so fundamental to how you can also um, unlock value as as part of this transformation. It's it's more than a it's more than a technical migration and just an upgrade, right? If, if you yeah. Um, can can then really transform your your process be more effective, be more efficient because you are um, leveraging benefits from, from your data and all, all the good stuff here yeah. um, so definitely don 't don 't think about innovation uh, as an afterthought make it part of uh, either your brownfield or your greenfield migration from from the get go and, and involve not only i t but more importantly also your business in in that discussion early on so again, the secret is
0: well thought through preparations, knowing what you want to do, um, using your own unartificial intelligence to get yourself a clear picture where you want to be after your whatever you do, green or brown. Basically, again, it's, it's the human, even in a, let's say, artificial intelligence in an automatization topic, who is the most relevant part in the game?
1: Absolutely. And um, to, to further expand on, on, on that point. So, you know, think about um, your, your business analysts, your experts who've been running this, this process for the last 10 years, 20 years, maybe even longer. All of a sudden you tell them, hey, here's this great new shiny capability that will make your life so much easier because it takes out a, a good chunk of, of your repetitive work. It it tells you what to do. Maybe it makes some decisions on on your behalf and Mm. you just need to deal with the exceptions and and the tough cases. Well, how do you get that acceptance and that trust from this person that yes, the system actually makes the right recommendations and I understand why and and how it's made those those recommendations. So that's why I think two things are are really important here, Um, not just in in migrations, also in, in individual projects when we look at AI. And that is... A, involving business users very early on, be open, be transparent with them about what you are trying to achieve and how it benefits them. Um, you know, they, they have the knowledge of, of running this, this process for a long, long time. Um, they can give you insights of things that are working well or have not been working so well. But then secondly, and, and, and that's something I'm really excited about because I'm uh, seeing a lot of investment here from SAP as well is, is an area of what we call explainable AI. So why did the system come up with this prediction that, you know, this, this payment should be matched with us, uh, the, that invoice? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, 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 you know, it's great if I tell you I'm, I'm 95% certain that that's the right match, but why? How? Yeah. What, what are the, the, the rules or factors behind it that made the system come up with that prediction? So I think, this, yeah. This
0: is something that you, if I may interrupt that, yeah. or if, if that's some, a topic like business users are haunted for decades when they have these kinds of black box optimizations, which of course exist now since quite quite a time. But I, I remember like those early optimizers in the APO or something where the, he did something and you saw a difference and what he did, but it was absolutely not clear why. So you had problems, of course, to trust that kind of result in the end, 100%.
1: Yeah correct right. and and what happens if if you don 't trust it um, then you 're more more uh, likely to go in and change it and again um, put your own uh, assumption and, and prediction on top, which mm-hmm. might be right, but maybe the system actually in this case was right and and, and then you 're uh, forfeiting that that opportunity of better performance so that 's why you know trust in in this kind of automation and, and helping get that visibility and transparency. Um, is is really key for us there because in, in in the end only if if the user trusts the system and trusts the prediction and accepts those predictions and those predictions are um, um, on, on on point, right? Then we get the real benefits and and then you know also you as a customer get those benefits. Mm. And,
0: yeah. S- since we are very heavy on analogies in this episode, I want to bring in another one like what we. We're talking about an eye in our preparation conversations with the two mobile phones because I think this is something which really opens the the eye when you think like with ECC and ECC from its technical foundations. We're talking here about technology from the late 80s, early 90s. It is about that. And imagine you have still a mobile from, phone, which is of course maybe pimped and optimized throughout the years, but it's still like more or less on the famous Siemens S4 level from the mid 90s and you are now approaching the new technology with S4 and this new technology is a smartphone it is an iPhone or new Samsung whatever you can do completely different things with it when you do the transition and you talk in the most most of the times, like many initiatives I, I experience, do how you can continue doing exactly that what you do in your old mobile phone, which is tell, have having a call or texting, or that that's what you were able to do into the new world. And if this is your main concern, then of course you put the limitations of the past into the new world, where these limitations basically do not exist. When you though take the new possibilities like what you have for example shown us concerning automatization concerning AI and put this in context with your basic things you want to do like of course I still want to have make a call but the new technologies offer you possibilities like I do not have to type in the phone number by hand but I just have to speak for example into it a name and after like the first name it gives me Um, let's say, a choice of certain people who you could have been fit to that kind of name and you by just saying, please call Andreas and he does it. This is making your life so much easier. And like you said, um, you, you should not too rely on the things you used to do because you do not want to do things better like you did all the time. You want to be able to do things you were not able to do before.
1: I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, um, maybe to, to make it visual, my wife and I love going on, on road trips and mm-hmm. we've been on a lot of road trips in, in the US um, uh, even, even early on when, when we were dating, so about 15 years ago. And at that time, paper maps were, were, were still a thing, right? And, and yeah. we got them from AAA and we're mapping out how we're getting from A to B and how long it might take. And some of the, the assumptions on, on, on the back of that map were quite accurate, but it couldn't really tell you that, you know, um half an hour in, in into your journey you were hitting a traffic jam or a, there was a detour. So and, and you know, many, many young years g- relationships died in these <laughs> kinds of situations. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily ours flourished. Uh, so um but then you know think think even two, three years later, um, and and when you wanted to go on, on, on a road trip, you wanted um in-time in, in, in time navigation, great. You had your GPS, separate device. Um, you wanted to be reachable, so you had your cell phone. Great for making calls, great for making texts, not a whole lot else. M- maybe playing Snake, if, if you're lucky and have time. Um, you wanted to listen to music, your own music, so you brought your MP3 player of choice. Um, you want to take pictures. So you had a digital camera, right? So it's, it's great. Sure, you can bring all these four or five, six different devices to to your journey. And, and, and they're a step up uh, from, from your paper map uh, and, and from your cassette tape. Um, but really, the world has evolved. And, and, and not only that these capabilities are available, we also have different expectations. And, and, and I think that's that's the key part here as, as well. And in, uh, in, in, in the analogy, now comparing back again to business systems and ERP, um, that the world has, has changed around us and, and we, we have different expectations. We need to perform differently. We need to be ready for um, the next traffic jam or bump in the road that, that, that we might hit and not just be surprised by it that we just hit it, right? But have that foresight and, and, and that um, visibility ahead. And what we also, of course, have to be clear that when
0: you have like two individuals and one individual um, is embracing these new kinds of possibilities, like what you said when having a challenge like going from A to B, and he's embracing these new kind of knowledge uh, technologies and the other individual does not, the, and if they are in a competition, like two different companies or different enterprises, like competing in a market, yeah, of course, the
1: one embracing the technologies is better off in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're seeing this uh, all around, right? There are some um, famous and well-cited examples of the, the number of uh, Fortune 500 companies 10 or 15 years ago and how many are still part of the list or, or even still exist. So it, it's, it's no different at, at any scale of business. Exactly, and I think
0: maybe we we can say that this kind of automatization and artificial intelligence we are talking about it's still so young, and there are so many possibilities and and chances waiting ahead of us that this is a today let's talk about today today is an ideal time, an ideal point in time to enter into that topic and from then on use all the things that are in your pipeline or let's say are expecting us um in development um and to consume it and to bring it on um the disruption is not so big it's not about like let's say making things hurtfully different but it's like about really
1: embracing these topics and going along with them i could not have said it better right um there's so many um so many things available already today and, and you, you can you you can take a look for yourself and, and see which one they they fit or, or we, we can help you um on on their journey as as well not everything um, needs to be big bang not everything yeah. needs to be hugely complex there are already incremental steps that, that you can take and like in, in in this example with situation handling they're already part of the the product so why not use it right if, if it's at, at your disposal similarly um, um, many of of, of our um, machine learning AI based scenarios are already part of your license or subscription for SAP as for HANA. So why not take a look and and, and see where um, they they can add additional benefit um, to you. And you know it's to to to, to me it's really a, a stepwise approach. Um, take a look, pilot it out, um, test it out with uh, your business users, maybe a smaller um, group of of your population, and then. Uh, successively um, scale it to, to the broader organization. So in the end, it's and all about just I, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they, they, they said it best with that slogan. Yeah? yeah. Just do it.
0: Perfect. When our listeners want to learn more about you, want to follow you, want to follow your future, let's say developments and innovations,
1: where can they do it best? Sure. So we uh, publish quarterly roadmaps. Um, that's that's certainly um, one uh, area to keep an eye on. What's what's coming out in terms of innovation. Um, there's a lot of great content on help.sap.com about situation handling, about machine learning, about the different RPA bot templates that that are available. Um, 80 and, and uh, 80 and more at, at the moment. Um, there's information available as part of SAP Activate, our methodology for implementing SAP s for HANA. Um, so in prepare, run, and um, in, in the explore phases, would highly encourage uh, our listeners to take a look there as well. So whether you're doing your greenfield um, um, setup and, and, and implementation, and you want to learn more about what's available, prepare and explore, or you have already gone live and would like to see what else you can leverage, in, in, um, that would be in the run phase, this excellent content available, and personal accounts like LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever. <laughs> um, LinkedIn definitely yes. Um, so I just just recently started a blog series on intelligent processes, what it means for us, what it means for our customers, how, uh, where you can start it, um, how you can think about um, the, the value of intelligence in in your business processes. Would encourage you to um, take a look at that and, and subscribe, um, but definitely LinkedIn. Um, is is the best place here. Yeah. I will definitely take a look at it. Perfect, Andreas.
0: Thank you very much. Was a thanks for time. having me, Alex. Was, Was a pleasure. pleasure to have you. <laughs> and um, I wish you all the best. Have a great day. Thanks
1: so much. Bye bye. Bye bye.